May these words of my mouth and this meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. As I discovered at 8 o'clock, it feels a little bit like I'm preaching from a treehouse. It's kind of fun. A dear friend of mine was a mentor to a group of young mothers in her church. And one of my favorite stories that she shared from those years was this, of a young mother trying to teach a difficult concept of our faith to her small children. After teaching her children about grace and mercy, and that those are God's gifts given freely and undeservedly to us, forgiving us of our mistakes through no merit of our own. The mother came around the end of the grocery store aisle one day to find her two children tussling and landing right in the middle of a display of canned goods with cans flying through the air and rolling across the floor, the mother was horrified and speechless. And when the children saw her, the mother was further mortified to have her two children fall at her feet and loudly imploring, Grace! Mercy! Can you just imagine what those other shoppers must have thought? They are challenging concepts indeed, and not just for young children. We have heard this gospel reading from John several times now, just in the past couple of weeks. We heard it both Saturday and Sunday of Lessons and Carols. We heard it again on Christmas morning. In fact, Richard preached on it on Tuesday. So what more could I possibly have to say? It is iconic. It is an easily recognizable piece of scripture, even to the most casual Christian. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But this morning... This first Sunday of Christmas, and yes, it is still Christmas, we are given a few extra lines, the final lines of John's prologue. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. So why now? Why attack on these last four verses just a few days after we heard most of the passage? And the part of the passage that's most familiar. Could it be that now we're prepared to hear and imagine what we weren't ready for less than a week ago? Could it be that we're now ready to talk about this concept of grace? 
as we fixated on and prepared for the celebration of the birth of Christ, perhaps we weren't quite ready to really ponder what it means and what it brings to us. With the packages opened and the festivities largely over, we now sit in these quieter days of Christmastide, and we have the space and the attention to really ponder what it means. What it means that God came to us in human form. From his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. Grace, this gift of God's love, freely given to humanity for salvation. The Gospel of John presents God's grace as his indwelling of humanity. The grace that might even save children from well-deserved consequences when they're fooling around in the grocery store. The grace that makes a parent look with mercy upon their child. The grace that is unconditional love, even when, as we inevitably do, we mess up. An Anglican theologian, Richard Hooker, emphasized the gratuitous nature of grace and the importance of our participation in God's salvation through it. This grace is made known to us week after week in the life of the church as we celebrate the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist. And it's made known to us in all of the rites we share as a community. In the catechism, that oft-neglected section in the back of the Book of Common Prayer, notes that grace is God's favor towards us, unearned and undeserved. By grace, God forgives our sins, enlightens our minds, stirs our hearts, and strengthens our wills. We received the gift of the law through Moses, says John. But that grace of being loved in spite of our failings and inability to maintain that law, came through Jesus Christ. We know this because we have seen God's grace embodied just recently in our celebration of the birth of Jesus. Jesus, who is close to the Father's heart and models for us an intimacy that is unparalleled in much of our lives. Jesus, who is God and makes God known. Jesus, who makes God's grace real and accessible to us, even to those unruly children in the grocery store. And as we head toward the next calendar milestone this week, that next day of great pressure, and expectation, and celebration. What would it look like if we made a different kind of New Year's resolution? Not one of weight loss or exercise, but what if we resolved to be more attuned to grace, 
the grace that is unearned and undeserved yet fully present in our daily lives. The grace that allows us to stand up under repeated failure. The grace that assumes our best intentions. The grace that enlivens us and redeems us. What if we made a resolution to more intentionally seek and acknowledge God's grace in our lives? How different would our day-to-day look? And what if we went really crazy and extended that grace to ourselves? What if we ceased negative self-talk, loved ourselves and accepted our shortcomings, believed deeply that we are wonderfully made. And what if we made a resolution to follow the example of Jesus and we practiced extending grace to others? If we forgave without needing to have anyone fall at our feet, imploring grace, mercy, 